podcast for me is about sharing stories of resiliency and stories of grit and creativity and hardness in purpose in the wake of darkness. And you experience that in any language. I am someone who functions equally well in both languages, and I want to not miss on a story because of a language barrier that I don't even have. When you're just as comfortable speaking in a learned language as your mother tongue, how do you choose which one to podcast in? That's the question my guest this week answers. Idaiba Orozco is originally from Spanish-speaking Venezuela, but now calls Los Angeles home. She's worked significantly on her English to help her acting career, and like most bilingual people, can switch from one language to the other effortlessly. We talked about how she decided to do her podcast her way, the initial feedback she received, and how she's incorporating her acting experience into her podcasting. And it's not what you might expect. Ediva's podcast is called Rekindle Your Light, and she talks to people who found light in the wake of darkness. So let's hear from her now. Welcome on to the show, Ediva, all the way from Los Angeles. So welcome on to Women Who Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love meeting you finally. You're, you've been such an inspiration for me. So I, I, I love getting to meet you. Oh, thank you so much. I would love to find out more about you, though, because I only know a teeny, teeny, tiny amount about you. So can you tell us more about who you are, where you live, what you do, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I'm originally from Venezuela. I have been living in the United States since 1998. So I've been in the States longer than what I lived in Venezuela. So it's sometimes it's it's that brain of mine that... that uh, fluctuates between both homes. And within the United States, I have lived in several places. So I've been in Florida, New York, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. So it's it's been it's been a great experience because it had exposed me to a lot of cultures because it changes so much between these cities. And when it comes to to my my home, I have learned that at the end of the day, it's always going to be where I where, wherever I am and whatever my loved ones are. So I'm very fortunate to have my husband, my two doggies and my mom here in Los Angeles. So that's, this is my home right now, but I'm very easy to pick up and go and be anywhere as long as they are with me kind of thing. So yeah, and I'm an actor. I'm also a voiceover artist. So I do commercials. I do mostly voiceovers in Spanish because I do have an accent in English. So sometimes that's something that I've been working on for years. And being a podcaster has given me the freedom and the chance to say, screw the accent. It is what it is. It is part of who I am. As long as I'm mostly understood, I'm happy with that. But it has also brought me back to wanting to express myself in my native language as well. So So this is what I'm currently doing. And I'm also a coach. I'm a spiritual coach. I do soul purpose coaching. I do human design readings. I also do emotion code sessions. And I have a container where I bring people in together and do this on a one-on-one basis. And more, you know, recently I'm going to be starting a group coaching program as well. So that's in a nutshell, a little bit of everything that I do. What was it that led you to leave Venezuela for the United States? 
I was in the hospitality industry originally. I went to school for hotel management and I thought that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And the only reason why I thought that that was it is because the, com the component of traveling. And I was like, oh, this is going to give me the opportunity to travel the world and I'm just going to study tourism. And I really wanted to be an actor. That's what I wanted to do. But back then, back then, back home was definitely not a smart decision. It was not what I was encouraged to do. So I kind of put it aside and decided to take this other thing that I really was passionate about and say, well, okay, then I can just do tourism and travel the world. And without having any idea what that really meant and the hotel business is extremely demanding. And I did it for many years. I worked in the hotel business for 20 years and it's ingraining my soul. Like I am a natural entertainer. I love to cook. I love to organize travels. I love to plan things for people. So I was in the event planning portion of the business for a long time. So I think all of that has come together because even a lot of those skills end up being transferable, right? So as an event planner, that gave me a leg up when it came to producing films. And that gives me a leg up when I'm producing my own podcast. So everything comes together. I need like everything adds up. And I, I just love that. So I was able to come to the States because I had an internship and in the hotel management industry. And I stayed because the situation in Venezuela got really bad. And I, in that, in that process, was I was, I was finishing my internship. And I lost my sister in Venezuela. And as the political situation and the social situation was changing back home, and I was going through this very traumatic time of my life, the decision was that I was going to be best if I stayed in the States. So we did whatever we needed to do so that I could stay here. And that's why, yeah, that's why I've been here for so long. And now you've got your mom with you too? Yes, and my mom is not even a citizen, which is not something that we ever planned for, but it worked out in a way that at some point she said, well, she was alone. You know, she was in, alone in Venezuela for years because my dad had remarried and he had his own life. And I, we lost my grandmother too in the process. And so my mom was left alone. And at some point was like, what's the point? Just come over here and she lived in Florida first. She felt comfortable in Florida because you can, you know, there's more Spanish speaking people over there. And I was living in New York when she moved. So New York was too cold for her. And so when I decided to move to California, she decided to come alone. And now we live like five minutes away from each other, which is amazing. And that's very cool. And how has she found that the language within the States, you say Florida, there's a lot more Spanish speaking. And now you're in Los Angeles. I, do you, does she only converse Spanish with you or is she able to find other Spanish speakers? Yeah. So in California, there's a lot of Spanish speakers as well. So the transition was not as hard as if she had moved to, if it was New York, it would have been a little more challenging. But in California, because of the weather and because of the amount of the Hispanic population being so large here, she has been able to adapt way easier. And the fact that we're here, then that makes her feel more comfortable, more at home. But she's been able to make her own friendships and her own life. She works. She, she works at a bakery and she has a lot of friends there. And 
the community where she lives at, it's it's really active. So they they have like bingo and they do things together and they do potlucks. So she has her own life going on. And then I get to see her once, twice a week, you know, which is great. And yeah, we only speak Spanish. She does understand English a lot, but she's very shy about expressing herself in English. But she understands she consumes a lot of content in English, like her TV, her TikTok. She's a big fan of TikTok. Her her Instagram, like she consumes the content in English a lot, but is this speaking that there's definitely a fear in that. I I can definitely go along with that because I know a lot of English speaking people who can understand other languages, but it's always that speaking component. And I think it, for me, it's a, a worry that I'm either not going to be understood or I'm just going to butcher the language so badly that you're kind of embarrassed to do it and hesitant. Yes, I am the same way. And I, I have never attempted to speak another language. But I remember when I first got to the States, English was not good at all. And being on those first jobs, answering the phone, that was the scariest thing. And one of my first jobs was as a hostess at a restaurant. So I had to pick up the phone and I always tried to get another hostess to answer for me. And it got to a point where it became part of the routine and it was normal. But at the beginning, it was so, 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 so scary. And you can imagine as an, you know, as someone who wanted to be an actor, how those first years became so challenging when just being in a class and being made fun of too, you know, but even by teachers, well, it was, it was very, it was, it was. It was hard. It was very difficult. So what did you do then to get to where you're now doing a podcast in both English and Spanish? How did you work on speaking English yourself? So I think the language started to come into me naturally as far as like I didn't really go to classes or anything. It just was part of my job and I was just picking up. I'm a very, very fast learner, especially when I like something. And I I learned super quickly. I remember my husband, who we were just friends at the time, and, and then we became, we started dating. His English was so much better back then. And we always joke that now my English is so much better than his. But I think it's because my environment required it. So at some point, I became a manager within my responsibilities and duties. And I had to be able to hire, fire, train. And I did whatever it took to kind of get better at it. So I remember I had a manager who used to look at my emails and she was super critical of them. And she's like, oh, you know, you can't say that in an email. And there was a combination of not only not being an English native speaker, but also being Latina that had this edge that not everybody appreciated when it came to being an environment where you're supposed to be politically correct. And I wasn't. I was so rough. And I was just, anything that came to my mind, I would just say. And I remember my first job, somebody telling me, yeah, you have a Venezuelan attitude. And I'm like, what is, what does that even mean? I'm like, I don't even know what that means. But with time and with the years, I got proficient and I felt more comfortable. And when I started acting, it was not an easy path. It is still not an easy path. I've been told, okay, that was wonderful. Now, can you do it without an accent? I've been told that so many times. I've been told, 
go back to learn to speak without an accent and come back to me when you're ready. And I'm like, it's probably never going to happen. And I, I do take speech lessons now. I've been with a speech team for over a year now. And his goal is to make me be understood. He's like, we're not going to get rid of your accent. The goal is to be understood, to make you as clear as we can, and to sound a little more native so that when you get those auditions that require more of somewhat of a native character, you're not missing out because of your accent. So, so we do, you know, we do call reads, we do exercises that he will, he will give me a monologue and I will have to come back next week with the monologue prepared. And it's easier when I, when you have a material beforehand, because you start marking and noticing the things, the, the emphasis, which is usually the cadence is usually what I, where I mess up because I speak with the same cadence that I speak in Spanish. So I tend to stress the same syllables and the same words that I would speak, that I would do in Spanish. And I learned that that's where the challenge comes. So, so I've been very, very purposeful about getting better at it. But there was also a mindset shift that was very important because I would beat myself so hard about making a mistake or about saying something wrong, or sometimes saying something inappropriate, because sometimes I would pronounce something that means something completely different, and I would be like in hot water for that. It has it happened to me at meetings back when I was at work. It has happened to me in events. It has happened to me in many settings, which is embarrassing, but it is what it is. And starting to allow myself to embrace it, and people telling me, I actually love the fact that you have an accent. I actually love the fact that you're bilingual. I did an event last year. It was a intention setting for the new year. And I did it bilingual on the spot. And my husband was like, ooh, no, girl, that was too much. And the people who attended was like, I love the fact that you could just go back and forth from one language to the next, like, so smoothly. And I decided to use that as my strength instead of keep using it as my weakness. And I say, you know what? It is pretty cool that I do get to speak two languages and pretty darn well, actually. So that's the long explanation for your question. <laughs> I think being able to speak two languages and as you just said, like switching from one to another, just like it's so natural. I find that so fascinating that the brain can actually do that. When so many of us are still struggling what to say in one language and then being able to just, yeah, just automatically like turn that switch and you're in a different language. That's so cool. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, I'm searching for words. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I totally forget basic things in Spanish that I'm like, oh my God, how do you say that again? And I've been in situations, I remember there was a time when I traveled back to Venezuela and this was like years after I have been gone and I was at a cafe. And when you are in Venezuela, you got to be really careful of letting people know that you're coming from where you're coming from. It could, you, you can just be a target for someone to rob you, for someone to be like, oh, she must have money or she must have a cell phone or, you know, so you have to be super cautious. So I was keeping it like very low key. Like I just dress the way people dress there. Like, and I was in this cafe, like doing some work. And of course, my my brain was working in English at the moment. And somebody came to ask me something and I totally replied in English. And then I hear the guy say, okay, thanks. And I'm like, 
oh, you know, like sometimes you don't even realize it. So trust me, there are, there has been moments where I have struggled with this switching back and forth. But if I'm intentional and I know that that's what I'm going to be doing, then usually it flows, usually flows. Your podcast, Rekindle Your Lights, you are doing it in both English and Spanish. Your trailer, you've done two trailers and you've got episodes that are purely just Spanish and purely just English. What decided, what led you to go down that path and have the two different languages? I think it comes back to giving myself permission to do what I want, what I really want in my heart. And I, when I, when, when I started that, the podcasting class, that was one of the first questions I asked. I'm like, oh, should I do it in English? And, and then I realized it's like, who am I asking permission for? I'm like, this is something I have to decide. And I say, there are very, very interesting people that I want to talk to that only speak Spanish. And there's very interesting people that only speak English. So what about I do it in both? And people were like, oh, so you're going to do it in English and then you're going to translate it to Spanish. I'm like, no, 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 I don't have the energy for that. That doesn't feel expensive for me. What I want to do is I want to talk to people who speak only Spanish and do the episode in Spanish and the, the uh, vice versa. And people are like, oh, but that's kind of like divide your audience. I say, I don't, honestly, it, that's not what it is about for me. This podcast for me is about sharing stories of resiliency and stories of grit and creativity and harnessing purpose in the wake of darkness. And you experience that in any language. So to me, it became almost like a no-brainer. And right now, I don't have too many Spanish-speaking guests landing, like waiting for me to be interviewed. So I'm like, well, okay, so then the next episode will be in, in English. And it is what it is. And then when I have somebody in Spanish, then I will add that into the mix. But that's, that's why I wanted to do it because that's who I am. I am someone who functions equally well in both languages. And I want to not miss on a story because of a language barrier that I don't even have. So I'm like, yep, no, this is how I'm going to do it. That's, yeah, that's a good way of coming, coming to that decision. Because, you, I mean, there are people like yourself, Hidaiba, who... You speak English and you speak Spanish. So there's going to be plenty of other people, particularly in Los Angeles and Florida, where you lived before, who can converse in both and understand both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mother-in-law listens to all my Spanish episodes, both in Spotify and in Apple. So she's like, I just listened to them both, like two times. And then I have, you know, my mom does the same thing. She only listens to the Spanish ones. And so, and then some people just listen to the English ones and some people listen to both. So yeah, that's just the way it works. Yeah. Where can you see your podcast going in the future? I have big dreams for the podcast. I do. I, I have put a lot of heart into it because it fills me up so much. I feel this is something that I noticed with you as well. Like this is something that even though we might have big dreams, there's not really an agenda within it. It's almost like we're truly doing it because we're loving it so much and we're enjoying it that we want to bring this into the world. So I recently was able to interview someone in English who is an executive producer here in Hollywood, and she has a fantastic, beautiful, moving story of loss and grief. And when I did her interview, it kind of 
woke something up in me that made me realize that I want to tell more stories like that. And I'm not necessarily restricting myself to only those themes, but I'm so interested in learning what people have done to cope with their losses, with their grief, with their growth. Like what, how have they done it? Because I've gone through it myself so many times that probably what I did was not necessarily what somebody else need, but then maybe that guest will offer something to someone who's having a difficult day that is, that is struggling with mourning their loved ones that will actually be a tool that someone can use. So I think there's a very pragmatic approach to what I'm doing in the sense that I do want to give people tools and tools could look very, very, very differently. I, I, I'm going to share a story with you that, of something that happened to me this morning because of a podcast. I was listening to one of our fellow students, uh, classmates podcast, and she's a medium. And I was going on, I, my husband and I are doing a market today. And he forgot something for the market. And I said, I'm going to go get it for you. And, and then I'm going to head back home so that I can do the, the interview with Allison. And as I'm going, as I'm driving, I'm listening to this woman's podcast. And the woman who was sharing her story in her podcast had a very, very similar story of what happened to me with my sister's loss. The way that she was able to sense it before it happened the signs that she received, the things that she even said. Like, I remember I said to my, my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, I think I have to go back to Venezuela. And she's saying things that seem random and weird. So when I, when I heard that story, I bursted into tears. And I was like, oh my God, I, there are other people who have had the same thing that I have had, not only the results of it, which is the loss of a sibling, but the way that these things happen. So this is why I podcast. This is why I do what I do. Because if there's one person on the other side that said, whoa, that happened to me. Or, whoa, I needed to hear that. Or, whoa, this is something I could do to, to get myself out of bed today. Then I'm, I'm doing my job. And that's why it's so important for me to do this podcast. And yes, do I want to interview Mel Robbins one day? Hopefully, yes. I, I really would love, love, love that so much. That's a big dream of mine. But in the meantime, the stories that I'm telling right now are equally important to my heart and equally important to my listeners. So, so I'm happy with the things, the way they're progressing. I remember an interview I did and we were talking about, you know, celebrities and getting them onto your podcast. but. The, the way the discussion went was, yeah, these celebrities are great, but they tell the same story over and over and over again on all these different podcasts. And once you've heard this story once or twice, you're generally probably not going to tune in to them because they're on someone else's show. Mm -hmm. But there are people like your next door neighbor, for example, or the, your colleague at work or, you know, your, you know, another family member, they will have a story that will resonate with your audience. Mm -hmm. And it's because they probably haven't shared it so widely, but they still have things that you can learn from. So I think it's, yeah, don't, don't discredit, as you say, the, the ordinary people who've got all these amazing stories about mm -hmm. overcoming 
things, you know, being resilient and yeah, everything that that's gone on in their lives. Because everybody has experienced that in some level or another, right? Uh, we all have hit rock bottom at some point and that looks differently for everyone. So I'm interested in knowing what was that for you and how do you get out of it? Because your tools might be able to help me or help someone else. So that's what I'm interested in. And I think that giving voice to, yeah, to, to the neighbor, to, to the nurse, to the, to the, I just interviewed recently a chef that I looked up to so much because of the way he is, not because he's known worldwide, just because of who he is. And I was so excited and I get so giddy about these conversations. And I just interviewed the one that I'm releasing this coming week is a friend of mine, an actor who was Miss New York when I was, when we were going to school in New York. So, and now she's like a mom of four. And I'm like, how did you go for this? I need to understand this story. And I learned so much about her that even though I had spent two years with her every single Saturday, every single Wednesday for two years, I had no idea of any of the stuff that she shared until she shared it in the podcast. So that's the gift. Yeah. Wow, let's go from Miss New York to mom of four kids. You'd feel the pressure on you for school drop-off to look immaculate. <laughs> well, luckily she doesn't live in the States anymore. So she has been able to to pivot in a way that makes so much sense for her. So yeah, so yeah it's, a, it's a fascinating story, actually. But mm -hmm. yeah, she's super mom. She's definitely super mom. And, and I'm so, so proud of her. Yeah, I can see and well, listeners will probably be able to hear also that the joy that you're getting from your podcast. And I think that's the, the number one thing when you are podcasting is to find the topic that is that sparks you, that brings you that joy and just keep on doing it. Yeah, you know, and even when, when there are themes that are not necessarily joyful, right? Because some of these episodes, I'm talking about death. And this woman producer that I mentioned to you, that's what we're talking about. But there's so much beauty in her story. There's so much beauty in the pain that it still gives you so much satisfaction. And I might not end up the conversation jumping up, uh, out of joy, but my heart feels so full from having this kind of heart-to-heart -heart conversations. Yeah. And that's, that's the main thing, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. What have you learned about podcasting or a tip that you could share with anyone who's thinking about starting their own podcast? So if I were to do it all over again from the beginning, right, and I'm in the in probably interview number 20, to, to give you a number, I would have more clarity on the themes that I wanted to touch upon before recording. And even though I do allow myself to let the conversation go where it needs to go, I do not have pre-established questions. I, there are certain things that I want to try to navigate the conversation towards. I feel like having that clarity of, okay, today we're going to talk about death. It's, very, it's a very clear thing. It's a very clear approach. Then I think it would have helped me to to take the conversation where it needs to go. So there have been a couple of conversations that I was just a little too free-flowing where I could have been a little more intentional about it. So I would highly recommend 
that within the purpose of your podcast, and that's something that I, oh, if you can even write down and have a little sticky note by your computer every time you're going to record and remind yourself, why are you in this podcast? And what is your podcast about to keep you in track? Because we could get so interested about something that we lose completely sight of what was the intention originally of the podcast. So I would highly recommend keeping your why and your what very clear at any time. So before, before I turn on the microphone, there's a little bit of a ritual that I do, which is like I center myself and I just ask for guidance and I just got asked for, for divine intervention to come in so that I am guided to ask the things that I need to ask and I allow whatever needs to come to come. Yet, remember, Idaibra, why are you doing this podcast? Why do you want to impact people? How do you want to impact people? Okay. And it's at that little two-minute reminder just put me in a place of, okay, mic is on. Let's do this kind of thing. That's a really good tip. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. You can, I've got my laptop open and I could easily just have a little piece of paper, like a post-it note attached to my screen. It's not, mm -hmm. no one else will see it. It's not going to get in the way of me speaking to you and seeing you. Yeah, that's something easy we could do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I do that for auditions, you know, sometimes if I have, if I have a callback, which means that I am going to be in my laptop with someone on the other side being my reader or the director, or the producers or all of them, because sometimes it's all of them, right? And everybody's watching you. And there's that pressure, right? Of like, oh, like to remember it. I, this is the word that I always forget or whatever it is. And I'll just put a little sticky note in there. And I know that if it goes away for some reason, the word is there. So I'm like, I got me. I got myself. So whatever you can do to help yourself, if you know that you could be someone who like, I'm so passionate that sometimes I'm just like, well, all over the place. So whatever can ground you back and remind you what is it that you're here for and why. Yeah. That, again, yeah, that's, that is very, very good. Good tip. But you mentioned, we've talked about your acting quite a lot. And, and I've just remembered one thing that you've said about your podcast and that the guests that you have on, you create the IMDb, you put them on the IMDb profile that you've mm -hmm. got for your podcast. I have never heard of that before. So <laughs> what led you to decide to do that for your show? Well, that was my husband. You know, my husband is also in the filmmaking industry. He also does commercials and he just has a, a, a producer's mind. And we've done several projects together where we've done short films and, and things that we have created together. And he said, oh, people are putting their podcasts on IMDb. And I'm like, really? I didn't even know about this. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, I think he, he mentioned a couple of uh, celebrities who, who do it. And I'm like, I don't remember seeing that at, at all. And he said, yeah, I think it'll be something nice for the guests to if they are in the industry, well, they get that extra credit. And if they are not in the industry, wouldn't it be cool that now they made it to the, to the database where all the content is featured? And I love giving that as a little gift to my guests that it's like, well, if you're an actor, if you're a performer and you're already on IMDb, you get that extra credit. And if you're not, here is my gift to you. You get your first credit ever on IMDb. Such a great idea. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Marrying what you've done in the past with what you're doing now. Yes, absolutely. And it's something that it can be separated for me anymore. And I think 
that that's a big part of what you were asking at the beginning, right? Like, stop the separation of who we are to try to fit in a box. But at the end of the day, what makes us who we are, what makes us special, what makes people to want to listen to my podcast as opposed to someone else's is because I get to bring those elements into the table. So why did I interview a chef? Because I was in the hospitality industry. I am very interested on on his journey of becoming a chef. I am very interested in the journey of someone becoming an actor and the struggles of being an actor and the struggles of being in other professions. Why do I want to talk to coaches? Because I'm a coach myself, because I want to know your journey of becoming a coach. So I think I am bringing every element of my life into this podcast. And that makes it, this is the biggest representation of myself that is out there, right? Because when I'm an actor, I'm playing a character. Do I bring parts of me to the character? Absolutely. I couldn't act unless I did that. But as a podcaster, this is the most me anybody is going to ever get unless you're meeting me in person. So that's why I do it that way. Yeah. Oh, I could talk to you all day about this, Yudaiba. <laughs> so many, you've got so many like nuggets of wisdom and you have bringing your full self to your podcast and not having to pretend to be someone that you're not when you're yeah. acting. Yeah. One thing I always like to ask the people on my podcast is what could you name a couple of podcasts that you like to listen to yourself? Yes. So one funny story is that even though I am super spiritual, I am a crime junkie. I love true crime. So crime junkie, it's like my Monday podcast. Like I listen to this religiously and okay, maybe I don't do it on Mondays, but if I'm going which is the weirdest thing. If I'm going for a run, that's what I listen to. And people are like, that is so bizarre. That's the last thing you want to be doing while you're on a run. That's so creepy. I say, I know it's weird, but I love it. So Crying Junkie is definitely my, one of my go-tos. I listen to, there's a meditation teacher that I'm a very, very big fan of. His name is Lou Redmond. And his podcast is about the business of meditation and the business of coaching. So I like it because he offers a lot of good tips about how to navigate the business itself. In addition to like, if I want to listen to his meditations, there is a, there's an app where I can go to, but this is more about his, his teachings on how to be better in the business of coaching. So I love that. And then I also love learning about marketing because this is a job at the end of the day, right? And we want to expanded and we want to impact as many people as we can. So I love learning tips about online marketing. So I listen to Amy Potterfield's online marketing uh, podcast as well. Those will be probably my, my top three as far as volume, but I am constantly listening to new ones. I'm always discovering new ones and yeah, that's, that's what I like doing. Yeah. There aren't enough hours in the day. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, the beauty of it is like you can be cooking and you're listening to your podcast, you're exercising, you're listening to the, at least I do, you're driving. I mean, in LA, one and a half hour to get anywhere. So it's like you can fit probably two podcasts or maybe three even like if you do, you know, the, the, the round trip. So yeah, so in that way, I also get to support a lot of people who are just starting like me. And yeah, I think that's important as well, right? We we want to create community around this as well and, and become fans of each other. 
I was listening to your podcast this morning, you know, that the, 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 there's it's a solo episode about how do you record an episode? And I'm like, yeah, because you have a lot of good tips to offer. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's listen to it. I was listening to it. Uh, to our other friend from from class as well, so I do that. I I love supporting other other people, the women. I I think it's very important. Mm. Well, thank you so much for for listening to my show too. I like to record those in my cupboard, which is where I'm coming to you from right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you do your show, so long as you get it out is is my philosophy. Yes. As long as you can be heard, right? Because I think we can get so precious about sound and music and all these fancy things. and all, all, But at the end of the day, it is about the conversation that we want to bring. And sure, if we can add those elements to it to make it feel the way we want to put it out there like, that's great. But at the end of the day, decent sound and an amazing conversation. That's those are my two goals when I'm recording. And that's the perfect note, I think, on which to end this. That's you know, everything we're all striving for. So thank you so much for coming on, Idaiba, and talking about being like bilingual and everything else about your show. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Likewise, I, I really appreciate it. Has hearing Idaiba helped you make any decisions about your podcast? I met Idaiba on a course about podcasting. In fact, I've met many podcasters through this particular course and other podcasting groups. When you do things alone, you can get caught up in your own noise. But when you're in a group with others who have similar goals, then you can support one another. And that's what my vision is for women who podcast and why I've created a free Facebook group to help side hustling women who are ambitious but time limited and who want a podcast to help replace their income. This show shares real life stories and actionable tips so you can make your podcast a success. The link to join that group is in the show notes. You can chat with me and with some of my past guests too. And I hope you'll join us and share with others who you think will benefit. That's all from me. Please give this podcast a follow so you don't miss any future episodes. It would mean the world to me if you could also leave a five-star review. I'll speak to you next time. You've been listening to Women Who Podcast, the podcast for women with something to say.